Western Reserve Radio, the week we kick off high school football on Western Reserve Radio 1 and 2. Much more to that coming up later on in the show. Season 2, Episode 27, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org. For more information, find us on Facebook, search Western Reserve Radio on Twitter at WR underscore radio, the Live 365 app, or tune in, westernreserveradio.com, or I believe even now on YouTube. Thanks to Jim and Dave adding more and more outlets for us to be able to be reached here on Western Reserve Radio. We are going to jump right into today's show, and we are joined once again by the commissioner of the President's Athletic Conference, Mr. Joe Enderko. Joe, thanks for kind of handling us, having some technical problems a couple weeks back. Glad to have you back on. Hi, Mark. Great, great to be on with you anytime. Thanks for having me. So I have to assume, Joe, that this offseason was a little more relaxed for you than last year was dealing with everything with COVID-19. <laughs> well, that was a, that's a pretty high bar to reach for sure. Uh, I, I, I would say this. Yes, it was probably more relaxed, but it wasn't completely relaxed. As, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of the variants, and you know, they brought some challenges for us. But uh, the good news is we're working through them. We have some good guidance from the NCAA. Uh, and, I, and I think we feel pretty confident going in. Obviously, there are things out of our control, you know, just as there were a year ago. And all we can do is adapt to them and, uh, can, you know, worry about what we can control and, and do the best we can to, to provide our student athletes with the safest uh, and most positive experience possible. Do you anticipate then there being any limitations, restrictions when football and the fall athletic calendar begins here pretty soon? Well, it's interesting. I, I think on the field, no, at least not that you'll see. Uh, for the most part, the guidance that we've got from the NCAA, uh, you know, th- with the data they've collected over the last year, uh, they really didn't see, you know, widespread transmission of COVID through athletic competition. So uh, some of the things you saw a year ago, especially with indoor sports, uh, more so than outdoor, uh, you know, the masking and things like that, at least at the, at the time being, we're not going to be doing that based on their guidance. And, uh, in, and the other thing that we're doing a little differently is, is a year ago, you may remember this, they kind of divided sports into kind of three classifications based on the level of contact, you know, low contact, medium, and high. And they've chucked that system completely. Um, now, now, what is it still in place is, you know, where they found that COVID passes is, is on buses and uh, in, in, like, team meetings and meals. So what you're going to see is our teams maybe coming in and out of gyms masked, and then once the competition goes, uh, those will go away. So, you know, slightly different than a year ago. But, I mean, as you know, Mark, I mean, you know, a year ago this time, we knew we were not going to be playing in the fall and we're just hopeful we could play in the spring. It, it turned out we did play in the spring. It was very successful. Um, so I think we're a little more confident heading into this fall. Well, from a fan's perspective, are things going to be closer to normal? Is that going to be left up to the individual institution? What can you tell us about that? That, that is correct. We're going to leave all those kind of what I would call ancillary issues, you know, fan attendance and food service and, uh, you know, basically every campus has their own policy uh, for individuals coming from off campus. And so one of the things we learned going through this a year ago is, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, basically 12 schools all in the same line, you know, when you're in different states, different locales, different uh, guidelines from the local health officials, that's really, really difficult. And so we basically have left it that we're going to respect the facility policies for each institution. 
And if they're going to have fans or not allow fans, that, that's going to be up to them. I have not heard at this point of schools not allowing fans, but, you know, as you know, that can always change. Uh, for the time being, though, yes, if, if we, you're probably not going to see a conference-wide uh, announcement or mandate on that. If we do have those issues, we'll probably be dealing with them on a school-by-school basis. One of the things we've talked about over the years is the automatic bid, Joe, that the conference has in football for its conference champion. What do you think it would take from a football perspective to have a season where we'd be fortunate enough to have more than one school qualify for the Division Three tournament and not maybe an, an ECAC game, which at Grove City we've loved being part of those. I have from a broadcaster's right. perspective. But what does it take to be maybe a two-bid school for the playoffs for football? Well, those are kind of two separate questions, so I'm going to take them separately. Uh, the first one, to be a two-bid NCAA conference, uh, one's that, a couple of things. You got to be, you have to have a really, really good second team, and quite frankly, you've got to be a little fortunate in your in your scheduling, especially your non-conference scheduling. Uh, there's only five at-large bids for the entire country in the 32-team tournament, and when you think about, you know, uh, you know, Mount Union's conference and <clears throat> Wisconsin, you know, some of the real other powers right. out there, the hotbeds, you know, those, those can disappear pretty pretty quickly. So what I, I, our teams are doing the right thing. They're playing really, really strong non-conference competition because if you get that win in week one and then you go nine and one and lose and finish in second place, now you've got a pretty good resume to be considered for the NCAA tournament. I think that's when you – for what you mentioned for ECAC, yeah, I think you know we have been really, really successful the last four or five years with ECAC bids. That's kind of the next – it's kind of like the NIT. It's the next tier after the NCAA uh, Grove City, you mentioned. Westminster's had some ECAC bids, uh, W&J. Um, I could absolutely see us getting two or three of those games in addition to uh, whoever makes the NCAA tournament. The last time we were trying to talk to you was the day of media day, and I know it's a little different than it's been in the past. You don't have the Steelers there at, at training camp, but it had to be good to see some familiar faces and the sports information directors, the coaches, and a few select players as well. Well, it was an interesting one, Mark, for a couple of reasons. One, one is what you just mentioned, no Steelers. And it was so strange pulling into St. Vincent's campus that day and just, you know, you're so used to just seeing masses of people running everywhere and all, all the activity that's going on related to the, to the team being there. And there was none of that. And so it was a really odd feel. Um, so we were wondering, you know, are, are we going to get the same kind of turnout? Fortunately, we did. We had a fantastic turnout of media at that, even without the Steelers in town. So we were, we were really, really fortunate with that. And then the second thing, which, which is kind of surprising, it, you know, almost every year going to that, we have a really good idea of who the pick is going to be for the top team in the preseason poll. And this year that, that really wasn't the case. I mean, obviously Westminster won our spring uh, season, you know, with a, a touchdown win over W&J. But W&J had 35 seniors coming back, either fourth or fifth year. And then on top of that, as you know, Case Western Reserve didn't even play in the spring. They were the defending champions from 2019. So you certainly have been justified to say, hey, nobody's knocked them off their perch. It was just an interesting dynamic. It turned out Westminster is the number one team. But, I mean, you could make a case, as you know, for four or five different teams being up there. That's how, how tight it is at the top in our league right now. 
Now you mentioned a lot of those the fifth-year players that have taken that option. Did you see a high number of those student-athletes that chose to take advantage of that fifth year across the sports in the conference? Well, we'll wait and see. I'll probably be able to answer that better in a little bit when I see what the basketball numbers and some of the winter and spring sports look like. I think fall sports, it's generally the easiest if you're going to do that because a lot of times you might just have one or two classes remaining and you can stay for that extra semester and, and get that in and you know be done by, you know, in, by December. Um, so I don't know. It, it's a good question. I, I think there's some folks that have said they're going to, but uh, you know, now the rubber hits the road and are they going to, to actually you know, register? From what I'm hearing, though, yes, <clears throat> I agree with you. I think a large percentage of student athletes who have the option to take that fifth year, they ba- every, basically everybody last year got a, got a free pass on eligibility. Nobody used a year in 2021. So now a lot of them are coming back. And so you're seeing just really, really experienced teams because, uh, you know, so many of them. I know WJ football, I mentioned 35. That includes several seniors that did not compete in the spring for a number, number of reasons. So they're feeling like they're really loaded for bear coming back this fall. Joe Anderko on the phone with us, the commissioner of the President's Athletic Conference. The uh, fall football schedule gets underway the first Saturday in September. And I, I think I ask you this annually when we do this interview, Joe, because I, you know I love being part of the conference, and I'm just curious what the future holds. Are you looking into or would the conference consider expansion in the near future? Well, you're right. This is an annual question. And I, I always joke when, when people ask me, well, do you – do you talk about, you know, how often do you talk about membership at your president's meetings? I said, quite literally, every president's meeting for, that I've been at for 20 years, we've talked about membership. So it's always it's always on the forefront for us. I mean, we're, we're, we're I would never say we're out there actively trying to expand, but we are constantly looking for opportunities, especially if they're brought to us and that, that we can say, wow, that's that's a school that would really make us stronger, would really make us better, that they really make sense. And when those, when those opportunities happen, we're going to investigate them and look into them. You know, Mark, I've told you this before. You know, one of the things about our, our president's group, they don't get hung up on the number so much. I mean, I, I know some other conferences do. They're like, well, we're only going to – we only want to stay with even numbers and we don't you – because know, otherwise there's scheduling issues. The way our presidents look at it is if there's somebody that makes sense and they want to be, you know, have affiliated with us – then, then we're going to move on that, and and if that ends up in an odd number, well, you know what? That's why they, <laughs> that's why they paid Kevin and I the big bucks to figure that out and figure out what the schedule. <laughs> because you know that was like my question. Hypothetically, like if you were to add another team and go to eleven, then it creates the question of: Is every game a conference game? Do you rotate through and still have one non-conference game like they do currently? There's just so much right. to think about as you would continue to go forward. Well, and Mark, you may remember that a few years ago we were in exactly that scenario uh, when we still had the school in Kentucky with us. We had 11 football teams, and so for four years from 2014 to 2017, uh, we did an unbalanced schedule. It was basically eight conference games. Some of the teams picked up a ninth game that was essentially a non-league game against a league opponent. And right. then, you know, in the one year, in fact, we had co-champions who didn't play each other. I mean, it's possible with an unbalanced schedule. I would think if something like that happened, that's probably the direction we would go, more so than than the first scenario you raised, which is, you know, you've got 11 teams, so we're just going to play 10 conference games and never play out of conference. I, th- I just think you 
when you do that, it kind of, you know, I, I think there's real value in going out of conference, even if it's only one game per year. Um, and, and so my guess is that's probably the direction we would lean if we ended up in that scenario. When you look forward, and Joe, we've only got a couple minutes left with you today. Uh, we've dealt with so much with COVID the last you know, year and a half to it almost feels like two years. But as you look forward, it, it seems like the conference under your leadership is really heading in the right direction right now as we, we move forward on in, in 2022 and beyond. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Mark. That's very kind. And uh, I, I, I do, I agree with the perception that the league is in a really positive place. Um, I think the fact that we were able to get to make the spring happen, and especially, you know, 20 of our 23 sports, we were able to hold championships for in the spring semester. I mean, that was really unprecedented for us. And we didn't know if we could pull that off. Um, we did. Uh, I don't want to do it again. I think what you talk to in this league, <laughs> I don't, think anybody we don't want does. to do it again. But, but I'm really glad we did, Mark, just for the student athletes, because they were just chomping at the bit to have that. And so many of them have reached out and thanked us, and especially when other conferences were saying, hey, we can't do this. The fact that we kept pushing through, our presidents were supportive. And at the end of the day, we just we found a way to get it done. And we were all exhausted and ready to sleep for a month when it was all done. But uh, in, in the long, in the in the grand scale of things, I think that's really going to help us. I think it really gave us credibility with our student athletes that we're doing everything we can for you, and we're we're gonna. Obviously, there are things we can't control, but anything we can, if there's any way to make this happen uh, in the PAC, we were going to do it. And I know, of course, you've given and continue to give a lot of credit to the university's leadership that are that are in the conference and the presidents and, you know, from the athletic directors to the sports information directors and on down that put all the work in not only to get an unprecedented season in last year, but every year that there's sports in the president's right. athletic conference. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, you know, I wouldn't trade my president's group for anybody. And I report to the president. That's why we're the president's conference. This is their league. I mean, our presidents of our institutions are much more actively involved in varsity athletics decisions than, than your average conference, especially a D3 conference. And that's really been a good thing for us. It's just part of our culture. Uh, even in the past year with COVID, uh, Calvin Trout, the president down at Geneva, was really one of the leaders in that and really, really, you know, was a Sherpa and getting us through all that. And now Paul McNulty, the president of Grove City, has taken over as the new chair. And, well, he's got enough on He's got it on his plate, too. And, you know, the possible, all of the things going on in the NCAA and Division One, and how that affects us. So, I mean, it's very time-consuming for our presidents. But they put that time in, and they really care about these issues. They understand them. And, and really, I think that shows up in, in the kind of experience that we can provide because of that presidential leadership. Well, Joe, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you face-to-face for the first time in a while uh, when you make a trip over to Grove City at some point this year. And as always, uh, thank you for being willing to uh, jump in and join the show and talk about the conference. Well, it's my pleasure, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on. You do, you guys do a great job. And absolutely, I'm, I'm looking forward to as normal of a football season and look forward to seeing you at the night game at Grove City. Absolutely. That is uh, Joe Anderko, Commissioner of the President's Athletic Conference, joining us on the phone as the fall sports season uh, just about ready to get underway for the President's Athletic Conference with football beginning the first Saturday in September. And uh, looking forward to be part of that as well for the upcoming fall season. When you come back after our next timeout, we will jump in and let you know what games we're going to have this weekend. Right here for the rest of the 
You're listening to Western Reserve Radio on westernreserveradio.com. means time to have some what's trending as dave joins me from the studio and i don't think there's anything dave more trending than the fact that valley high school football begins on thursday night i'm going to make the very long trip to bowrine stadium in niles to see niles host howland for a 7:30 kickoff I think uh, Jim is going to head to the Poland Canfield game, so we're going to get a taste of things before we get back on the mics on Friday. Yeah, you guys are going to have fun on Thursday night. Um, I will not be. I will probably listen to it on whatever outlet I can listen to them on. Uh, I'll be a little busy Friday night, but uh, hey, or Thursday night, sorry. I know you're getting ready to correct me. I would never do that. Yeah, but Friday night, now Friday night, that's the bomb. That's when we're taking over the airways, and we're going to have two games. We'll start out on Western Reserve 1 with South Range at Springfield. Looking forward to this one, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Look, South Range 9-1 and last year. Springfield 11-1, and of course. Their lone loss came in the state championship game. Uh, they did not play last year, but how about a quite the meeting in 2019, the last time they played, Dave? 23-20, Springfield beat South Range at Springfield in overtime, and I think we just might be on tap for another game just like that one was in 2019. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really close scoring game, and we'll have to see. I mean, Springfield did lose a lot. They uh, lost their quarterback. They lost – or no, they stole their quarterback. They lost. Bo's back for the third year. Bo's back, yeah, for his third and final year. He's a senior this year. Did lose his brother, though, as center, so we won't have any Mack trucking going down the field this year. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. So we'll see how that all rolls. But that Springfield's going to be tight. They're, they want – I know they want that championship this year. They're going to be uh, rolling hard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do have, you know, they don't have a lot returning, but what they do is led by, you know, now it'll be three-year starter and quarterback and, and Bo Brunkard. You mentioned he won't have his brother who was uh, graduated, now playing for Grove City College. And uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because potentially, and I'm not, I'm not doubting any of the other teams on these two school schedules, but potentially this could be each other's toughest matchup of the entire regular season in week one. Oh, yeah. This could technically be the only loss this entire season for either one of these teams. So South Range does have a little tougher schedule than Springfield does, but it's not much. And if South Range comes out and they hammer it like they did last year with a 9-1 and record, hey, anything's possible. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what? This is a 645 airtime on Western Reserve Radio with Jim Craven and the coach Bob Gessler? It'll be 640. 640. Yeah, okay. we'll be on the air at 640 with uh, Craven and Gessler. Uh, we'll see what antics they have this year. We'll see if the uh, guru uh, coach Gessler can call some uh, trick plays like he did last year. Uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun on Western Reserve Radio. And uh, there's a rumor going around Uh-oh. that we found this guy in a bunker in up part of uh, Trumbull County, northern Trumbull County. 
and mm-hmm. he's found his shadow, and he's coming out of the bunker to do high school football with us this year. Any truth to that rumor, Mark? You know what? There may be, is that is that guy not done a game in 623 days? That guy has not done a game in 623 days, whether that be high school or college. Right. Yeah. I actually took the time this week to do the math. And you know what? I actually this time, rather than saying, hey, Dave, figure this out for me. I went to Google and it's had somebody do it for me with uh, some website I found. But yeah, 623 days in between games. The last game I called uh, was with Jim in the Springfield State Championship game, December 5th, 2019. And looking forward to getting back at it with Western Reserve Radio 2. On Friday night, we will have Western Reserve on Western Reserve Radio 2 traveling to Liberty to take on the Leopards. Western Reserve 6-4 and four last year, Liberty 1-6. Liberty is under first-year head coach Joe Simon. A lot of people know his name from his time as a sports reporter in the Valley. He is a Liberty alum. And uh, Coach Lute at Western Reserve is also a Western Reserve alumni in his second season as their head coach and uh, i already had a chance to talk to him earlier this week dave and uh and he's a guy that's fired up and ready to go and he didn't get the job until late in the summer last year so this team has now had a full season to acclimate the way he wants to do things for the blue devil program and it's going to be interesting because they've got several young student athletes vying for the spot to be their starting quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see how that young quarterback, whoever it may be, handles that position. Yeah, we'll see if they run it, too, because you got more than one young quarterback coming up. You have the potential to run multiple quarterbacks during the at least the beginning part of the season to see who's going to fit the best. I know you're going to have some – aspect of with scrimmages but you're not going to get that full game feel until they actually get a game or two under their belt right and they they have a you know senior running back that's a converted wide receiver uh to run the football that had i believe over 1500 all-purpose yards last year and uh it's one of those where you know when you've got a young quarterback what do you rely on the offensive line and running the football, and you try not to put him in some difficult situations. And, uh, of course, Western Reserve and Liberty, that'll be with my new partner, Tim Continenza. We'll be with you on Friday nights, Western Reserve 1 or 2, depending on which game we are doing. And I thought that was a 640 pregame, but has that changed as well? You're 635. Okay. Yep. You guys will be coming on at 635. The other one will be starting at 640. Uh We'll get you guys on the air, and uh, me and my crew will be sitting in here running things, and hopefully we'll have no issues starting this season. I think we've getting me and Jim have been working on things in the background, and uh, we might have a later announcement before kickoff, maybe Thursday night. Stay tuned for that. We got some more things in the works for Friday night football. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be out and about. And, uh, hey, look for Western Reserve Radio at any game, especially you know, with Springfield. We'll be doing all the Springfield games on one this year. But we'll see what we end up with on two. And you're, you've got that schedule. And I know uh, you make some tweaks sometimes during the middle of the season, depending how <laughs> things are going. So Right. We can, we can tell you for sure week two will be Cardinal Mooney and Hubbard. 
Week three will be Poland and Howland. We know those three games are locked in the schedule. And you know what? The one thing that has me the most concerned for, uh, you know, for a Friday night has nothing to do with getting ready. Uh, but the, the thing that has me most concerned for Friday night is something we have absolutely no control over, Dave, and that's the chance of uh, showers and thunderstorms on Friday night that could really affect, you know, how, how long it takes to play the games, how long the games are played, and just how successful they are going to be able to be uh, with the fact that, uh, you know, the weather is something that is definitely out of our control uh, but is, is uh, always going to be a factor so again, uh, uh, coming up on a Friday here on Western Reserve Radio, it'll be South Range at Springfield on Western Reserve Radio 1. And over on Western Reserve Radio 2, Tim Continenza and I will have the call of Western Reserve and Liberty. And, you know, as we get set to wrap up the segment, I'm going to give you a couple of teams that I think high school football fans in the Valley should keep their eye on. Are you ready? Yep, go for it. I'm going to say right off the bat, of course, we've got the best game in the Valley to kick off our coverage. South Range, Springfield, go without saying, two teams to keep an eye on. You know, Coach Yegley at, at South Range, uh, one of the longest tenured coaches in the Valley, has always done a fantastic job. You know, Springfield as well, a, another fantastic season with their veteran coaching staff back. A couple of other names I want you to keep an eye on. I've had a chance to see this team scrimmage uh, already this uh, this uh, you know scrimmaging season. The team I want you to keep a huge eye on, Dave, is the LeBray Vikings. They've got their quarterback back. Their running back is the leading rusher in school history, and he's still got another year to go. They've got a lot of experience back on both sides of the line and you know if you listen to a game that jim or coach bob's involved in it all begins with the line up front so i'm, I'm going to tell you the team i'm keeping my eye on that could have an amazing year is the labray vikings i think they're the team to watch out for also looking at schedules that are being played in the valley i think we're going to have a lot of really good football teams but i'm going to tell you this this may come as a surprise to you when we have finished up the 10 weeks of the regular season, our greater area, our coverage area, Mahoning, Trumbull, Columbiana County, I don't think we will have one undefeated team remaining when the regular season wraps up. How about that one? Not one undefeated? Not one undefeated team. Oh, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say we have one. And you know what? There's a couple, you know, I neglected – I think uh, Warren John F. Kennedy is going to have a great year. I think Warren Harding is going to have a fantastic year. I think Ursuline is poised to have a fantastic season. There's going to be a lot of really good football teams, yep. but I don't know if we're going to have an undefeated football team. But all that matters is that we have as many teams as we can in the new playoff system, and we're not going to dwell on that because it is what it is. That's the system we, we're going to follow it. As long as we have a team playing in Week 16 – I think we're doing something right this year, and I think we'll have at least one, if not two teams, playing in that state championship weekend, which is still scheduled for the first weekend in December right. at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in beautiful Canton, Ohio. And don't forget, you can catch all the games on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, 
Uh, we'll have two feeds on Facebook. Uh, we should be carrying both games on just about every outlet over the uh, Friday night also. Right. So looking forward to getting that underway again. South Range in Springfield on Western Reserve and Western Reserve in Liberty over on two. So we are going to get set to take our next break. By All Means, Season 2, Episode 27, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. For more information, go to millcreekmetroparks.org to book your tee time today. We can tell you the Browns won their preseason opener uh, over the weekend, a 23-13 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars and head coach Urban Meyer, who, have you not had heard today, uh, actually released Tim Tebow uh, and is no longer part of that roster for the upcoming season. Didn't know if Urban Meyer would do that, but uh, looks like he's actually making the right decisions for his football team. Ryan, are you back with us? Yes, I am here. So uh, let's let's jump right in and talk about that preseason game. None of the starters really got any playing time, but just watching you know, some of the second and third teamers, this team may actually have the depth we have wished for for years. You know, I, it's so funny. I was talking to my friend during the game and the team that they put on the field to start the game, you know, with Case Keenum, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Higgins, uh, Dearness Johnson, the other uh, 25, the other running back, they're trying all over the place. And even a lot of the backup offensive linemen. We were saying, if this was our starting team a couple years back, we would have been excited. (laughs) That's sad, but true. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, That doesn't give you a a very good picture of what our past has been like. But if you would have said that's our starting lineup, you would have been kind of happy, but you would have said, well, there's no depth behind it. But now we literally have not only the stars that, you know, that's your, your 11 on the field, offense, defense, special teams, but now there's enough depth behind this team that obviously if Baker Mayfield or something did happen to him for the season, that, that would probably about do it. But injuries here or there for a couple weeks, we do have some depth that we haven't seen on this team probably in about 30 years. So if you really do want to make that next leap and you really want to make deep runs into the playoffs, having depth, having guys that can step in and not just play the position, but do the job and do it well, man, that's going to make a big difference going forward. This is a, this is a complete team, Mark. I mean, it's, it's, we haven't seen anything like this since probably about 87, 88, 86. You know, if I want to poke a hole in it, the only position I'd say they need to fix is kicker, but we're not going to dwell on kicker today because that's not important. I look at defensive line, and I think, you know, my goodness, and I liked Olivier Vernon, but he wasn't always healthy. You look at the potential matchups across that defensive line, and uh, you've got the potential for Miles Garrett to have a, you know, with somebody lining up either next to him or on the other end of him, uh, he's got a good shot at being your, your defensive MVP in the AFC for this year. I mean, if you think about that, Miles Garrett on one end and Clowney on the other end, or if you have Clowney kind of line up in the middle, you have Billings who's going to be there for the first time. He didn't play last year. He opted out. Uh you're going to see the interior line be able to really show something with that push because you're going to have those two bookends, Clowney and Garrett, 
coming right off the edge, right at your quarterback. And I know we're excited to see what Miles Garrett can do. I'm really happy that we got Clowney. I wanted him last year. It didn't work out. And you bring him in this year on basically a, a fake one-year deal or however they set that up. And he's finally healthy. He's finally going to be playing with somebody. And I know that he played in Houston and he, and he had, you know, Watt with him. But he never could really stay healthy, stay injury-free. And he's been talking about how this is the first time in years he's felt 100%. So the combination of Miles Garrett, who's, what, probably the best DN or arguably the best DN in the league, now paired with a former other number one pick at that same position, I mean, you've got to be excited for that. And, you know, one of the things that I like, too, and I don't know if you're up on the latest episode of Building the Browns, I like what Clowney is doing off the field. You know, early on in his career, he experienced that Achilles injury that kind of set him back a little bit at the beginning of his career. To hear him talking to Grant Delpit, who's going through what he went through, and, you know, just being encouraging. And, you know, Delpit hasn't really seen a lot of time on the practice field yet so far this training camp uh, i like the fact that he can be there based on his experience for some of the younger guys and quite frankly you know Clowney's not that old to begin with no no he's not i mean this is if it works out this is a guy that if, if you have the cap space and it's not at the expense of some of your other younger players you drafted that you want to keep around he's somebody you might want to look at for for the years to come because like you said he isn't that old he, he seems old because he's been around and He's, he's, you know, had some injury issues, but he isn't that old. And, yes, I, I definitely have watched the uh, Building the Browns. I call that, that – that's just basically porno for me at this point. I mean, <laughs> when, you're, when you're looking at Kevin Stefanski and he's, you know, talking about the expectations for the team and how we do things the right way and how training camp's going to be hot, it's going to be – I'm just looking at this going – I, I mean, it's like I should just cry during building the Browns because we have an organization that's good. Like I was like looking at this, like this is this is this might as well be X-rated for me right now. Um, I think my favorite line so far is when he told the team to embrace the suck of training camp. I'm like, that's my coach right there. <laughs> yes, that is my coach right there. It is a a far cry from what we had uh, two years ago. And I bet this joint practice they have coming up with the Giants probably won't make us look as bad as the one that we had against the Colts two years ago when Freddie Kitchens was still the coach. I said, what do you think about these dual practices leading up to the game on Sunday? I think they're good. I think it, it, they're good uh, in the aspect, and I, I'm happy that we have, you know, like you were talking about, grown-ups running the team because I don't think they'll let it devolve, at least on our end. I know the Giants, you know, they had Fight Club at their camp a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I do think it's good. It gives you a different look. It's You're not hitting the same person across from you that's in the locker room with you all the time. It's going to show you something different, players playing at different speeds. Uh, you can do a little bit of situational things with these teams. So I think they're good. And I don't know, maybe one day that those joint practices will replace preseason games. Who knows? But I think it's, a, it's good for us. It's good for the Giants. And it's cool that it kind of leads to a preseason game this weekend. Yeah, this this game gets the feeling to me like it's going to be a lot like, you know, game three used to be when there was four preseason games played. Do you expect to see, you know, a half, a quarter? What, a, what of the number ones for that game, which is uh, Sunday afternoon against the Giants? I think if this was the week you were going to play them, this would probably be a good one. 
um, just based on the fact that it's a Sunday one o'clock game kind of replicates uh, a regular game. You could do a little game planning for, I wouldn't play them more than a quarter or a few series. Uh, the good news is because for the first time since probably the Schottenheimer days, <laughs> I don't know, uh, we actually have the same coaching staff, all the players returning with the same system. So I don't know if we really need to go out there and see Baker and these guys for a half. Like I'd probably let Baker throw a little bit. I wouldn't play Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt at all in the preseason. They're running backs. They know what to do. Um, but I could see Baker going out there and a couple of the receivers and you know, maybe playing a couple of series. I think that's really all they need. Do you, can Donovan Peoples-Jones take over that number three wide receiver spot if he continues to develop the way he has? Oh, heck. <laughs> he might take over a lot of spots one day. Uh, he's turning into that, you know, that late-round pick that you really, really like to see. He's kind of in the mold of maybe an Antonio Brown, who is a six-round pick. I'm not saying he's going to have the same career because he don't have, you know, the speed or anything, but – just that story of the sixth-round pick coming out and making a difference, and that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy that, look, we all know that, you know, regardless if he's the third wide receiver this year or not, he's looking like a guy that, if you think of the Seattle Seahawks mold, you know, when they had all those popular players, they made their little run there, but they were able to have people in the waiting that were able to step in and keep the run going. So to me, Peoples-Jones is starting to look like a wide receiver that – you know, there is going to be a day where Odell and Jarvis or one or the other or both aren't going to be here, and you're going to need guys to step into those spots. So for me, um, I, I think he could be the third one this year, but he will be on the field. But he's starting to look like a guy that could take one of those spots down the road. Yeah, and he's one that, uh, you know, being a Buckeyes fan, I watched him play a lot, and he he came into the University of Michigan as a highly touted recruit with a lot of expectations and just never lived up to those expectations. I mean, had a nice career there, but didn't have a, you know, a spectacular career, which, you know, for our benefit, we picked him in the sixth round because of that. And, you know, maybe he's just now getting that NFL coaching, able to turn the corner and really show know the abilities that he has yeah no i think you're right uh, i mean you know when he was coming out of high school he was a very highly uh sodded recruit and you know he did put on that michigan helmet so you know harbon we're over that now he's got an orange helmet on now exactly well it's so weird to say that he put an orange helmet on and he got better usually it's the opposite <laughs> but, but i mean yeah i think he got some good coaching finally because we have good coaching and he had the skill set you knew he did and now you're finally seeing what good coaching can actually do for players so i know we texted a little bit during that first preseason game but how do you how do we all you know temper our expectations or should we shoot for the moon should we expect you know not that it's going to happen but should we expect you know let's go for 17 and 0 i mean what the hell why not <laughs> there you go. That's the spirit. <laughs> uh, I liked it. Uh, here's, here's the reasons I liked it. Obviously, the final score was nice. But you, you're you seeing kind of what their vision looks like. First off, uh, JOK went nuts. I mean, he had, what, three tackles for a loss, eight tackles what overall. A, a back. You talk about, hey, who can fit in like a glove on this defense and play that hybrid, hybrid position? And there he is. But here's what I like the most. You can finally see that the Brown system and culture 
filters down to everybody, even the guys that might not be on the roster in the next couple weeks. They play the same, the passion's the same, the scheme's the same. It's what we've been waiting for, Mark, where that, that plug-and-play, right, where you finally have the system in place, regardless of you know, who you're putting in there, these guys all ran the system the same way. So to me, that shows more structural, like your, your organization is structurally sound from top down with what you're preaching, not only off the field, but on the field with your scheme and everything. So to me, regardless, it was nice to see they won. It was nice to see some, you know, good throws from the quarterbacks and good plays. But at the end of the day, seeing the team organized and running the same system gave me a lot of hope for, you know, what we're going to see in the coming years. And, you know, I like the little things like from building the Browns or the commercials where, you know, they we want our guys to compete one more time coming off the field. So they play the, you know, flip the water bottle game and see who can do it fastest to get off the field. Like, I just love those little competitive things like that to kind of, you know, keep the energy and keep the fire going. And, you know, I love seeing around the facilities where you see, you know, work and and team and and those things because this group is definitely a collective. Ryan, I appreciate you joining us. As always, we will uh, talk a lot more Browns here in the next, oh, hopefully, I don't know, 25 30 weeks hopefully we're still talking browns in february which would be fantastic but thanks for jumping in and to join us today uh we are got a lot more browns to get to of course they will be playing their second preseason game uh coming up on sunday at one o'clock as they host the giants and we'll wrap up the show right after this You're listening to Western Reserve Radio at westernreserveradio.com on the Live 365 Network and the Live 365 app. For more information, go to milkcreekmetroparks.org to book your tea time today. Thank you to Joe Anderko, Commissioner of the President's Athletic Conference, who joined us as they are about to kick off the fall sports season for the PAC. Also, thank you to Ryan Alessio, who joined us to talk a little Browns coming off their win in the preseason last week, and they'll take on the Giants Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Don't forget, Friday on Western Reserve Radio on Channel 1 at South Branch in Springfield with Jim and Bob. Uh, that is a 6:40 pregame, and then over on Western Reserve Radio 2, uh, Tim Continenza and I will have Western Reserve at Liberty, and that is a 6:35 pregame over on Western Reserve Radio 2. Don't forget this show is available in podcast form. Just search for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your favorite places to listen to podcasts, or you can just follow me on Twitter at mark underscore means and that is how you can uh, find me on any social media to download the show so that is going to just about do it for us as dave mentioned earlier in the show 623 days since the last time i had a chance to get behind the microphone to call a high school football game and could not be more excited to call these games this season with my friends that i work with at western reserve radio because it's always much better to go to work when you work with your friends. So until Friday night, you've been listening to By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio.